Hello and welcome to the Outliers, the best podcast that hasn't had Kanye West on it this week. Um, oh boy! <laughs> right off the bat, we're going with the Kanye content. Um, everyone else is gonna be said making jokes about why shouldn't we? Well, um, speaking of fascists, we're talking about Andor today, which has a lot of those. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. And a lot of those getting their asses kicked. I can't tell you how happy I am to talk about a show where I saw several guys who are Nazis get their face beat in with a brick after like. Oh, I love it. After having to deal with Kanye West getting like this press tour of like anti-Semitism this week. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Do you know Kanye's off the rocker when Alex Jones looks reasonable (laughs) next to him? I never in my life thought I'd see a video where Alex Jones was the least anti-Semitic person in a room. And meanwhile, Nick Fuentes is just like sitting there, not saying anything, just chuckling. Oh, what a fucking goblin. That guy needs a <laughs> cheese grater to the face. May, if I can't say that, edit it out. It, um, you know, it, it it has to be said. Uh, remember, uh, the, the official outliers endorsed message is it's always morally correct to punch a Nazi. Yeah, like I hear people, you're no better than the Nazis. It is literally so easy to be better than Nazis. Like Nazis oh, the bar is up are the around. only two people in the world that like, yeah, hit them on site. Yes. Tack them. Uh, we get a lot of, it, it, in today's episode, we're talking about Andor, which... A lot of Nazis get punched and shot, and it's awesome. Um, sorry, this this is an irregular intro, but I'm I'm feeling. I, I came out swinging today. I, I did not let Tyler know I was going to do this. I probably should. I don't me. care. I'm here for it. Um, it's it's been a quite an interesting saga on the internet the last couple of days. I but, I will say, and this is sad. I'm relieved by how many people are not okay with the anti-Semitism. Yeah, I mean, when the bar is on the ground, I guess it's it's pretty cool to see that some people are like, hey, maybe Nazis aren't cool. And I, I love seeing the conservatives freak out. And I'm like, no, Kanye saying the quiet part out loud. No. Do you know how fucking broken I am that I was relieved to see that Biden was anti-Nazi? He was like, the Nazis were bad. Oh, my God. That's just like the bare minimum of what you could do. Like, Nazi, bad. But... Anyway, so um, you know, smashing Star a stormtrooper Wars. over the head with a wrench until he can no longer stormtrooper is me. Yeah, I mean, and then also here, uh, it's it's me, Tyler. This is a, this is the first episode where we get to talk about Star Wars in a full, uh, dedicated episode, which I'm very excited. We about need to do I more Star fucking Wars love Star Wars. Um, yes. Are we going to even bother trying to do a spoiler-free section? No. Okay, uh, so, the whole okay, wait, the show, here's the whole show's out. Free section. Here's this, go watch Andor. It's the best Dude, like, fucking genuinely? Star Wars IP out there right now. Go watch Andor. Pause this podcast. Get away from Twitter, you fa- you fuck. Um <laughs> hop on Disney Plus cuz shit slaps. Um yeah, we we'll could watch Andor no matter how you're going to watch it. Watch it. Get your friends together. You know, like get your partner um, if you're not lonely like me, uh, get your family watch around and watch and or and watch fucking stormtroopers get their shit kicked in. It's pretty epic. Uh, <laughs> our official review is and or good. I give it 10 bricks hitting fascist out of 10 bricks hitting fascist. Uh, you know what? I, I can I can rock with that. I can like already hear May like 
stop making actionable threats typing as she listens to us, but it's okay. If they're leveraged against fascists, whose problem is it? Not mine. Yeah. <laughs> All so, right, spoiler time. So, like, I will admit, the first episode of Andor did not have me hooked right away. But as it built up, the series as a whole, I was getting way and way more into it. Yeah. Um. So, the thing with Andor is... Ever since it it was announced, I was like clowning on it because I'm like, bro, who the hell wants and who asked for a Cassian Andor spinoff? Especially because we already know how his story ends because we all saw Rogue One. So like, who gives a shit about watching a show dedicated and- to? Cassian and or out of all characters well and i think that's fine because i think it's like really important about like here are the people who get forgotten in these movements like right you know like there's like something to be said i was thinking like real life allegories to this and it's like well yeah you know the allies defeated the axis in world war ii but there's also a ton of polish resistance fighters and french resistance fighters who didn't get their names made into history books and statues right i mean like there's there's a lot of like historical analogs and uh but like there's also a lot of stuff that's like unique to the star wars universe which is really interesting and the way the like star wars has always had a really good way of blending those two things this series felt the most lived in of anything star wars related like yes it's actually kind of like make it's so good, it actually kind of makes some things like the Mandalorian seem kind of crap in comparison. And I still really like the Mandalorian. I agree. That's but like, like this brought in such a different look. Like, so I'm not gonna lie, I was going into this skeptic kind of with a lot of skepticism because Boba Fett was not good. I like it, uh, it's a solid six out of ten. It, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a C minus. Um Kenobi was really mid. Even, like, Mandalorian Season 2 got really corny at points. But yeah, so, like, I was watching Andor, and, like, I, I had this, I had a very similar experience, and I'm like, damn, do I, like, even care about Season 3 of The Mandalorian <laughs> anymore? I still do, because then I'm remembering, like, oh, shit, we're, like, actually going to Mandalore in Season 3. Yeah, after it had been, like, nuked. I'm very excited for. Um, but like, I don't think it's gonna live up to Andor. Like, sh- sh- like is a. It's definitely by far the best thing that uh, Disney has put out since yeah. acquiring Star Wars. Well, like <laughs> Rogue One. Sorry, no, go ahead. The only thing that like is kind of up for debate is the final arc of the Clone Wars. In my opinion, like the last couple of episodes of I'd clone argue, wars season 7 is I don't need even ever. the last season of clone wars got cut a little short for me like it yeah. felt like they had to rush to wrap up a lot of loose ends well yeah well cuz like the the final season was planned years ago and then it was canceled mm. but then they finally brought it back um i think it was i think it was in like uh planning stages before disney came in mm-hmm. but um I think the final arc of the Clone Wars is is it's peak Star Wars uh, with everything on happening on Mandalore with Ahsoka and Maul and the resolution of Order 66 and how that happens in the show is so good. And I think it's the only thing that's like that's even close. 
I and I and I'm, I'm, all, I'm I am saying that as a sequels fan too. Like I do enjoy the sequels, but like in terms of quality, if like so, writing, it's cinematography. Rogue One is like my favorite. Is if not my favorite, it's my in my top three Star Wars movies. Um, it's 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 in the middle for me. Mm-hmm. I really well. I like, think you, I think you could guess why I would like Rogue One more than like a lot of yeah. the other things, and I think that's. Um, I love. Yeah. I do really like Rogue One, and I got I got the opportunity to see it in IMAX this summer. Uh, it was incredible, and like, but I before that I was like, eh, Rogue One's fine, uh, and I still do have issues with it, but it's such a unique experience uh, in the Star Wars universe, and I, uh, the way that Andor oh, captures that a lot of that similar energy, where yeah. like. I don't know the, the 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 ability that it has to like capture the lives of regular people within the Star Wars universe, uh, organizing against oppression, is really cool. Well, and the other thing too, I think about it, it's like these aren't just like the movies are great, but the movies are always going to be the people who have the most favor behind them. These are the heroes. These are, you know, Jedi. They're Mandalorians. They're, you know, prince. They're the princesses and queens and um generals and commanders that we all like they're the ones who get like you know the big battles the pitches but this is just such like they're uh, the ones that history books write about yeah you know yeah i'm sure in the star wars book there's like chapter 11 luke skywalker why he saved saved us from the empire uh, luke skywalker's status as a legend uh is a really big part of his story in the last jedi like he is a hero of the rebellion and I think yeah, that- and then like I actually think that's something that I know you like the sequels more than I do. I just my problem is I don't like the comedic timing in like the second movie, and I still haven't seen the third movie. Um, Fair. but I still think, and I think one of the things they really, I really liked was the idea of Luke Skywalker as kind of this like hero that was like almost like I shouldn't have been made a hero because I screwed up enough. Yeah. No. Like I. I am. I am a big Last Jedi defender, and I'm I'm a, I love Luke Skywalker's arc in that movie. But like, of course, you have your Skywalkers. But like, even in the and even in the original trilogy, you get to ex- see the rebellion. And of course, like most of who we're talking to is like the top level people. But you get to like this feeling that like this is such a like a highly organized, like galaxy wide fighting force, and we only get to experience. A small part of that but when when, this, when we get into though, stuff like rogue one and andor like one you get to see a lot of the flaws of the rebe- rebellion and like how hard it is to organize mm, uh there's a one resistance for it. i want to talk about particular and like i don't think we're going to be able to do this in like because like going episode by episode i think would be a little too hard for this like hour unless hour-long podcast yeah we don't we don't have to break down everything but uh saw guerrera when he goes into his whole dialogue of how you know uh krieger is a separatist re- rebel i am a pro-republic and you know like he go breaks down into this yeah like oh there's all these ideologies even within the rebellion and we get to see this throughout like the, the thing i like about andor especially around the high stark in it is we see the downfall and as well as the people who make rebellions happen which are people who are not ideal this is one of the things actually like i mean i, I hate to do this but i'm gonna tie into ukraine it's like you know, there is a wide variety of people who are from different political spectrums, anarchist, fascist, um, terrible people, good people. 
uh, religious atheist fighting on the same side of a war. And that's, I think that heist episode really drove it in. Like you have Andor who at that point was a mercenary. You have the other guy who also reveals himself to be a mercenary. Then you have this kid, I forget his name. Nemec. Nemec, who is like, he's the diehard believer. He is the manifest. He had the, I would pay money to read his manifesto. Mm -hmm. I I want it. And then, you know, uh, God, I'm going to forget all their names. But both the, you know, even the different, uh, the two women, I forget their names. Uh, Sinta and Val. Yeah, Sinta felt like she was there for the rebellion. And Val felt like she was there for uh, for Sinta. I might have mixed up the names. I think you got them backwards, personally. Uh, All right. (laughs) That's, then I meant the other way around. I could be wrong. I do. I'm not in your brain, but I think you got it back. <laughs> yes. And then you know you have the, these two ex-imperial guys. The one yeah. guy used to be a stormtrooper too, so that's real. I wish I'm, they I, didn't kill that guy off right away because that would have been an arc I would have liked to follow a bit more. I really like the idea of uh, ex-stormtroopers fighting for the rebellion. Well, especially because and- like stormtroopers aren't just. They're not just shock troops. They're not special forces. They're ideal ideologically aligned with the Empire. That's like that is part of the stormtrooper manual. At least it used to be in Legends that like these weren't just soldiers. These were ideologues. These were guys who were on board the ideology. Uh, it seems like these guys are just like taken from ch- children. Like they're raised under the Empire's ideology. And like they don't really have much of a choice. So I really like stories and like i really liked finn's journey where he has to like break away from the grip of the empire from a stormtrooper he's just like damn this is quite atrocious well like you also uh, have... it's like it's one thing to like hear about all the stories of glory from the empire but like to experience it firsthand is uh is traumatizing well and then you had this other guy who's like he was an imperial officer he's like he you know he and like it just took one thing to to make him like hate the empire yeah because i don't think to to him i don't think pulling off being part of the rebellion mattered as much as it did just fucking over the empire one last time like, i think that was the bigger outcome for him was we're gonna fuck the empire one last time i don't there, care there's there's so many like different uh motivations going on because everybody's been fucked by the empire in different ways because its grip is like so far reaching i will admit and i think this was part like i was kind of worried that the uh flashbacks to nandor would become to or take up too much time but i think they were used perfectly yeah Um, i also just pulled up the character list of andor characters so i don't fuck up names all all day good 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 um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know, I think, uh, you know, in in regards to just talking about, like, the people behind the rebellion, we have to talk about the newest Estellan Skarsgård as Luthen and how... Luthen is a, is a god. <laughs> he is, I know, he he's, is the kind of character I like where he's just, you know, he's such a morally gray character. Yeah, he, I think he, like, in my mind, he is the rebellion's Palpatine. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. If not the Palpatine, he's at least the Dooku, where it's like he is so cutthroat, so willing to like he is so it's... willing to push the limit on what is okay in order to do 
what really sells him as the Palpatine for me mm-hmm. is he reminds me a lot of how Palpatine was in the prequels where he has this like persona of like the energetic, cheerful chancellor where he's like, he's, he, he has this public front that he puts up, but then he he's also capable of being the underground mastermind in the shadows, pulling the strings uh, ever so slightly you would like, especially like when you see him with like when he's got his hood up, I'm like, ooh, that is strong Palpatine vibes, but like it's in a good way. And we knew so little about him right now. Like, I'm like looking on Wikipedia to see if we can learn more, and it's just like mm-hmm. there's so little. Uh, I'm yeah, really well, looking forward. So, like, yeah, and the he... axis is very similar to how Darth Sidious is portrayed. Yeah, this there's, it, there's a parallel there, and I think it's really well, cool. And it's such an interesting thing too, where they're the the empire is so obsessed with thinking a one person has to be vital to this entire movement that they're missing so many things in front of them while hunting for axis. I think that's the other thing. Like, I loved how this showed the like complete evil and incompetence that makes up the empire, which right. it does in fascism forever. You know, because the, like they have to think the rebellion functions like they do. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, it makes me think a lot like, oh, people like, it's like, we're going to ban this Antifa organization. Well, that doesn't work because there is no Antifa. There's people with sympathies towards punching fascists. Yeah. Like the idea of like Antifa being like an organized group is just straight up wrong. You have, you just have scattered groups of anti-fascists. It's not like uh, an organized rebellion of or militia that calls himself Antifa. The way uh, the rebellion works in contrast to the Empire is the rebellion functions on ideals more, whereas the whereas the Empire is strictly about holding and conserving power, and. W- the, the rebellion has a hard time organizing because one, the suppression of information by the empire, they're the over- infighting within the rebellion, which I think the kind of Krieger versus saw thing and the whole, and like how Luthen played into that whole conflict. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, uh, for like, so first Luthen's like, Hey, Saul, we're going to need your help on this. But once he realized Krieger was a deep shit and like, actually, we got to let this guy take the fall for us and we'll regroup later. And so I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, and like, it's the other thing too, where Saul has no clue if he can trust this guy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like, I think, I think like, I think Tony Gilroy um, has such a re- great grasp on like real world politics and especially how like uh, a lot of leftist ideologies uh, function in the real world. Cause like, there's it's uh there's such a like wide spectrum. there is such a i am a marxist leninist for and he is an anarchist vibe to what yeah is going on between sagrera and krieger where it's just like such these mind like he's like i'm a separatist he's like i'm a pro-republic rebel i've been you know pro-republic since the days yeah. he's a separatist i can never fight with him yeah, like sagrera is straight up like an anarchist terrorist but he's still yeah. like fuck the empire and but like, like there's there's problems with Saw Guerrero. He's not a good guy. Yeah, Saw Guerrero does not sit in the seats of the Senate 
when you have right. the new republic even and if he tried, there's a reason for that. there would never be a saw guerrera serving on the seat of the senate and you know if do you remember his arc from the clone wars uh vaguely i haven't watched the clone wars in a really long time I'm thinking about doing it. I think we should do another podcast episode on this. Oh, I would love to, dude. Like, I I could talk about Star Wars forever. <laughs> anyway, well, I so I was thinking back to that, and you know, during that conflict, he lost his family, he lost his sister, he lost a lot of the people he fought with to the point where it's like the partisans we see by the time of this and Rogue One are not the same group of rebels he started with back in the Clone Wars, right? Because like he doesn't care really about anything else like he like he wants to he just wants to see the empire bird yeah i i don't care who i have to kill to get uh, create that goal the empire has to get go down and whoever gets in my way is in my way and i think luthan's the same approach but he's so much more methodical sagrera only cares about like the instant like he wants to see dead stormtroopers he wants to see starships burning yeah. Luthen, Luthen plays more of the long game. A po- he's like a poisoner. Like he's slowly do- putting like, you know, uh, what's his name? The uh, Imperial spy he has that's all actually one of his guys. Oh, let's talk about some of the bad guys uh, before we go any further. Deidre. Who do you, wait, who, should we start with Cyril or Deidre? Let's start with talk with Cyril, the saddest fucking fascist of them all. I I loved his character because he's the most dangerous fucking fascist at all, where it's like this system spits him out, chews him up, and he still fucking loves it. Yes. And I think that's that that's it's a very interesting character to include there because he's he he's he's Sisyphus, really. Like no matter how much punishment he, he keeps taking, he's gonna keep pushing up because he thinks that there's a there's a way. For him yeah. to keep rebuilding his reputation, no matter how hard he falls, he's gonna keep trying over and over again, no matter what. He's he'll he'll fail the mission, fall down to rock uh, rock bottom, but he's so in his head about his love for the empire, and he's he believes himself to be so competent. Like, oh, it wasn't my fault that this happened. Therefore, I'm gonna do everything in my power to gain the um empire's favor again i'm gonna show them who i really am and how dedicated i am to the cause and that's a dangerous ideology because the empire doesn't give a shit about him he's barely even another cog in the machine especially after he he's he loses his post he Um, becomes nothing but he stops at nothing to support the ideology that totally fucked him over and that's sad like i don't i don't sympathize for him because obviously he's a shitty person but like the the pure dedication that he has to something that's actively making his life harder is really it's really interesting yeah I, and i think it's like he's so deserving of the miserable life he puts him in himself in really yeah you know and he's such like a perfect contrast to goran who's that you know rebel that imperial officer turned rebel i talked about I earlier who is like he got scorned yeah. by the empire and it's like fuck it i'm burning everything here down where yeah. Karn's like, oh no, I need to like reinstate my name because if I do the right thing, they will make me a hero. And like Cyril kind of functions like a lot of like um rural Republicans, where he's just like there's they're caught up in like this idea of like the culture wars and all of all of their personal beliefs that like they're gonna keep voting for 
exactly the thing that's fucking them over. Like the billionaire class that you want to keep supporting doesn't give a fucking shit about you. You you believe so you, you're falling so deep into this rabbit hole of like, I am so caught up in this uh, belief that they will help me that like no matter how much you try, you're going to get fucked. <laughs> Well, now let's talk about the other arm of the empire that we follow, the ISB. Yeah. Who I I love the ISB because the ISB is like Gestapo, SS, KGB, you know, all those organizations rolled into one. Yeah, because they they represent a lot more of like the bureaucratic side of of the empire, which I think is interesting because you don't get to see a lot of that. well, Nidra is fight like there's infighting even within there's like what twelve people in this room and even in those twelve people they're all competing with each other right and it's because they're missing so many things while fighting with each other that allows them to pull off this heist and then pull off another th- feat after feat right because everybody within that circle is competing for power because that's what it's all about yeah and like. The Aldani heist was was I would say it was probably preventable uh, on oh, yeah. their end. Like, what would they have done if they had reinforced like the base and it's like, hey, we need to check IDs now. Yeah, well, because one of the things that Cassian says early on in the show is uh, when he when he meets Luthen and he had and he had the um, he had the thing that he wanted. And I was like, how did you get that? It's like, oh, you just like sneak right in. You just like. Uh, look like you belong and they're not going to question you because you are so below them they they couldn't even fathom the thought of one of us being one of them yeah it's it's like the sheer arrogance that they have which i think is something in the end really shows yeah and so and then i think uh we are shown all these imperials like evils I want to focus on the Adani Adani heist. Aldani. And how that lights a fire under the ass because the guy who is her rival basically gets moved out of the picture because, you know, this was his thing he was supposed to be tracking. You know, Andor gets tied in all this. And, you know, then when they are going after Axis, he's on the same planet as them, Luthen, and they just, and they have no idea. No. And again, it's the whole, and he, you know, let's talk about Mon Mothma's arc. Yes. Uh, I, I, Mon Mothma is one of my favorite characters. The most underrated rebel leader, probably. Right. You know, because there's Princess Leia, who I'd say was the face of the rebellion. Right. And like, this is not at all to uh, undercut Leia's contribution to the rebellion. Because she's incredibly important. Because she's like, well, she was like, what, a 17-year-old who's like became a major leader in a guerrilla war? Yeah. Like, Princess Leia is like, in, she's incredible. And like, she's contributed so much. But like, she she's also kind of like the figurehead of it. Yeah. But uh, well, Mon Mothma, She is a very active part of the warfare wing. Whereas Mon Mothma is... She's the person who has to go into a room filled with, and I think Andor does a good job of that, of like, you know, rebel soldiers who just want to go out there and fuck shit up. People who are financing them and like these na- and naval commanders and all these other people and partisans and say, we need to focus. Yeah, no, she has to play the more diplomatic and political game. and Including buying the rebellion time to rise. Yeah, 
And I think that's so interesting. Like um, she's an at- sitting senator as this begins. Yes. And uh, her, her family is terrible. I, I feel awful. I feel so bad for her. Because um, well, she, she has to make so many like really fucked up decisions. Yeah. Because like, because she has to be torn between protecting her family and doing what is right for the rebellion. And like the financial situation she gets herself in is really sad. Because yeah. like, she's pretty much like torturing herself on a personal level, but she ha- she well, knows. She was part of the loyalist committee that swore in Palpatine too. Yeah. So, like, I'm sure that has to be a pressure on her now that the war is on. It's a personal responsibility. But, um, like, the, the the war has to be fought different fronts. So, like, of course you have the rebels that are, like, doing the actual fighting. But you need somebody like Mon Mothma, who's on the Senate floor, who's able to reach out in a different kind of way, playing the political game. Yeah. And like the the high end like aristocratic uh, politics that it's going on, with all these people with their heads so far up their asses, is it? And her the way she navigates around those people is just like she's got like a couple people that she can trust, but like she has to put on like this face to like to these people because like it, she can't be too brazen, or else she'll be ousted. But she's doing everything that she can behind the scenes to support the rebellion. But like, there's limits to her power. I so mean, her role as a political figure is very interesting. Uh, and she gets such a good payoff at the end when she kind of sends the empire on a wild goose chase with her fine. Because her whole struggle is like justifying all the money she's been spending to fund Luthen's actions. Yeah. And uh, uh, oh god, fuck. Uh, what's her sister? And what's her name is actually her sister too. Which that's Vel. Vel. I'm so bad at these fucking names. It's okay. Um, Star Wars names are always funky. In my defense, there's a character named Clea, which is just fucking Leia spelled differently with an <laughs> K in front. And that pissed me off. So much to a point, I, when he first said, I'm like, wait, is this character supposed to be Princess Leia? <laughs> I, That'd be I, wild, though. If it was the Mandalorian, you'd probably say. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't want to to dig too hard into the Mandalorian. I do like it. (laughs) So, you know, then, so Cassian is then, like, just on the run and gets cast, you know, he gets caught up and arrested, which then begins the best fucking arc in this series of you. Oh, my God, dude, I, you have no idea how badly I've wanted a Star Wars prison break arc. (laughs) And it was so fucking cool. Well, and the way he gets arrested, it's three other guys completely unrelated to him rush by him. And then he gets picked up by the stormtroopers or shore troopers, which yeah. of all the stormtroopers to get picked up by the shore troopers is the lamest because that's like the lifeguards arresting you. Yeah, dude, <laughs> you got arrested by Nazi. Like anyway, yeah. And then he gets sentenced. What three years? Six years for? Yeah, it, it's, um, it was it was a total sham of a trial because he's just like, yeah, usually that's a six uh, month tr- sentence. Yeah, but, but he talked, he talked back. back it's six years and he's like what the fuck what kind of justice system is this yeah and like you know i want to like we'll address at the end but i want to talk about how this is a much more mature star wars and then i want to talk about some of the pushback you got by star wars fans um what the bricks (laughs) there's bricks it's true fuck you (laughs) 
if you freak out about that, I want you to tie bricks to yourself and jump in a body. Oh, of okay, okay. Um, <laughs> maybe they edit maybe. that out. Actually, edit that or bleep <laughs> it out. Maybe not that one. <laughs> anyway, but dude, the anyway, prison break arc is so good. Yeah, the prison. Well, and also like Kino, I think, and Andy Serkis's character is such a uh, essential Central. character to have. Because when we initially meet mm-hmm. him, his whole... Did you get anxiety when Andor's first in the fucking prison? Yeah. Because I was, like, getting... He's like, like, what the fuck is happening? Well, and they do such a good job of sparsely showing that shock floor thing. Because that's the whole thing, is they're barefoot, and the, <laughs> the floor fucking shocks them. Yeah, that's, you die, pretty much. Well, the one guy tries to make a break the night... First night there, remember? Mm-hmm. And then the floor got hot and he... Yeah. Yeah. So that arc is... It's so monotonous. They keep, they're they building these components, which when we find yeah, out... They're using prison labor to build... Slave labor, you might say, to build the Death Star. Yeah. The whole thing, as this goes on, this is where I think you can start to see Andor's... Co- the co- Andor is no longer just... What's the word I'm looking for? He's no longer just a mercenary at this point. He's become a full-fledged participant, I think I'd say. Especially after they learn that like there's no getting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they learn that uh they what well, they killed a whole floor to cover up the fact that when a guy got released, they just moved him around. Yeah. So like they'd they'd have a certain like sentence, but once that sentence is over, they mm-hmm. don't you're not ne- you're not released. Yeah, you're just moved. You're just moved somewhere else. So, so no matter what, you're not getting out. And um, he he organizes amongst the men on his floor, and the way this go this happens is so interesting. Because well, like, I also, I also like Ruscott, uh, who is in he's he's in uh, Rogue One being introduced here. Like th- this is like the seeds of rebellion too like this is like we see that that in itself is a story we get to see come full circle that's a guy who clearly like well fuck this shit i'm grabbing me a blaster and fighting the empire yeah well because again like they have these like extensive security systems that they're so confident in they don't bother to like actually do the checks required they couldn't imagine these dumbass uh, prisoners could find a way to outsmart their system, well, and which like they what, did. And I like what Andor, after they kill a whole floor, Andor points out they are scared. They know yeah. that there's too many of us and not enough of them. But that whole prison break sequence, like when they, he's, the water spills out. Oh, uh, it's so good. And I love, I love the change of tone after they fry the floor and everything goes dark and they start climbing up and mm-hmm. coming after the prison guards. It's That's great. Especially when they get to the control room and they're like, uh, what do you mean, turn it off? And he shoots the guy. Like, yeah. it's this isn't like, oh, we're holding back. This is like, nah, man, you electrocuted me one too many times. You're getting shot. Right. Well, because they either die now mm-hmm. fighting the Empire or they die whatever. Yeah. Like, they or or stay in the prison forever. Yeah. And eventually die there anyway. Yeah, and by the way, can we talk about how I never expect two of the most brutal deaths in this was an old guy having a stroke and then this kid getting crushed to death by a car, a loose cargo crate. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, and like... Rip Nemec. 
And I think the whole thing, it's like, you know, they rather hide behind 40 atrocities than one incident. Mm-hmm. It's like, those are the things that are truly disgusting about like the empire. It's like, oh, they can easily shoot into a crowd anytime they want. But when they do fuck up, it's because, oh, we fucked up a prison. A prisoner said the wrong thing. And now yeah. they're aware. That's their downfall. Like they've built the system that's meant to put out oppression, but never deal with its own problems. No, because again, it, it it's there's there's just like way too arrogant. Yeah. Oh, and, and how about the most tragic words at the end of the prison arc? I can't swim. Oh my god. I hope I hope my man is okay. <laughs> he is dead. But again, it's the same thing as with the uh, as with the um, the uh, imperial officer. It's it didn't matter to him at that point if he lived or died. It was about right. fucking over the empire one last time. Well, because again, like he either died in the prison or or die trying to get out of it mm-hmm. it's a lose it's a lose lose thing but as uh with one loss you're able to do some good and one you just waste your life away supporting the people that fucked your life building them weapons so they can oppress more people and speaking of oppression meanwhile in ferrix we see the full strength of the empire being brought down. you know one fucking squad of essentially mall cops fucks up so bad that now that they are like, okay, we have to have stormtroopers marching the street. They took over a hotel. They start arresting anybody related to Andor, Bix, and all, and uh, the one guy's father, which, boy, that was a fun payoff uh, yeah. when his son got to fight back. You know, they, you know, they're pushing over his mother in the street, and it all builds up to this, like, great payoff. But, like, you know, and, you know, these aren't people, they're not... They like literally are interrogating and torturing this uh, Bix, not to hear the answers that they that she actually knows, but to get the answers they want to hear her say. Yeah, and that's what happens. No, because like it's she it's easy to force truth. a confession out of somebody if they just if they think if you say what they you you think they want to hear, because if they get their information, they'll they'll stop. Can we talk about when that undercover they ISB didn't. officer gets stabbed? That is one of the most satisfying deaths in that series. Yeah. When, uh, what's yeah. her name? Uh, Vadra, Sethu, Kaz. When Kaz stabs him, I was like, yeah! Yeah. Because he's like, I don't know why, but for some reason I found that guy extra slimy. I think it was just because, like, you know... Do you remember during the uh, George Floyd protest when there was those cops undercover in the protest that were clearly cops? Because it was always like a dude who was like either dressing way too hard to look like an Antifa dude or a dude who was dressing like, you know, nine line T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, those Oakley sunglasses and a bought backwards cap. It's like, you don't belong here, sir. Um, I, I remember. That's the vibes that ISB officer gave off. It's like you are too trying too hard to blend in. Yeah, and and so and Luthen also is at this time trying to kill Andor because right. no loose ends, <laughs> no loose ends. Andor's a liability at this point because he's not committed to the rebellion, but he's also got a lot and information. also make sure Krieger gets killed so his source on the inside Lonnie is more useful later down the road. Can we talk about the scene where he he escapes the Empire ship? Because that was one of the coolest fucking scenes ever. Oh yeah, that his star his starship is my new favorite starship. It's so cool. <laughs> when they're pulling him in with the tractor beam. 
<laughs> yeah. And those grenade things. Yeah. Oh my god. Dude's a dude's a legend. And he basically just turns his ship into a giant fucking double-bladed lightsaber. <laughs> hey, cut, it cuts to the star. Can you imagine having oh! an Imperial officer that wrote that report? Ooh, how do we say this? A fleet of pirates attacked us. That sounds good. It was a fleet. It was totally a fleet. It, it definitely wasn't one little dumbass starship that that uh, outsmarted our tractor beam system and blew up <laughs> multiple TIE fighters. So I heard an interesting theory that, that the AI that runs that um, is going to turn out to be K- the droid from Rogue One. Oh, K2SO? Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I've heard uh, K2SO is good, probably going to be in the second season, which I'm excited because I love I love K2SO. The That's other theory, boy. of course, I heard is that uh, the is that uh, Marva's robot is going to oh. be, the AI, but I he I feel like he's too damaged to be. They're very different, but I love yeah. that little droid. <laughs> I like it. The droid is just like it looks like a trash can, and I love it. I've never felt so emotional for a droid. When Marva dies, and he's just like, "Oh, I want to stay with her." And he's like, my guy, she's gone. It's like a dog, right? Like a dog that tries to stay with its owner. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, uh, so sad. Can we talk about the finale? Oh, dude, <laughs> it's so good, so fucking good. Like th- this, when is, I this die, is where I want to be cremated, turned into a brick, and then I want someone to beat a Nazi with the brick that is me. I I I I'm also with you on that. That was that was so fucking raw. <laughs> so and again, the brilliant world building that Andor shows. So in Ferris, they have a tradition where when you die, you're cremated and turned into a brick, and then you get to become part of their society uh, forever. Yeah. Which I think that's a brilliant. I don't know about your opinion on that, but that's like, I, feel, I think that's so cool because it also shows Ferrex is it's a cultural thing. Like that guy who's ringing the bell every morning. It's like, yeah, the Mandalorians have their cultural things. They don't take off their helmet, whatever their weapons, other religion. But these are actual cultural things, right? Like and it helps are, like distinguish planets from each other. And this really isn't planet way. of hats. These were things that were distinct to this culture that can be seen through a rich history, including like the sisters of Ferrix and even how like just their scrap workers have like their own uniform, their own way of doing things. Yeah. They're so all those little details are so perfect. I, I and I, I think I think the way that Andor like was able to distinguish each planet from each other from a cultural level is something that I wish Star Wars did better and in the past. Honestly, tell me the difference between Tatooine and Jakku. Tell me. <laughs> They're different places. Uh, They're deserts. They're full of scoundrels and scavengers. Well, and even like there's like little moments like this conversation that Luthen has with this guy who is like, what, he's a power converter salesman or something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly. About like, oh, you know, when there was first tier, you could just take a, you could just take a vehicle across and on your own. Now you have to get a star shuttle. Like, there's history there. Then, so you know, we have Marva's funeral, and at this point, the Empire is full down, boot on the back of the neck, and Andor comes back, of course. Yeah, because he can't. He's not going to miss his mother's funeral. Yeah, and then it he hears that Bix was captured, and it's like, well, I got her boyfriend killed. And she's pretty much captured because of me. I might as well try to at least rescue her and like whoever else is in there. Mm-hmm. So he devises an escape plan for those people. 
Meanwhile, there's another guy who turns in, who's like looking to turn in Andor, which I thought this guy, like this, like not even a sympathizer, but a collaborator. He was looking to get paid. That was his, that's what he was after. Right. And Andor owned him, owed him money. So that's all that mattered to him. It's a, it's a, it's all about self-preservation. And I think that guy deserves some credit too, because the emotion in his face when he gets to see, you know, Marva speaking clearly is not, I'm glad I made the decision to sell out Andor. It's like, I am not on the right side here. I am a piece of shit. <laughs> so yeah, they have this funeral and I also love the funeral again. It's just this great tradition and they're carrying this brick down and then they're stopped by the empire who's the empire and what's funny this happened in the real world israel did this to fucking palestine remember that like there was like these uh the israelis like were just yes palestinian funeral this happened i do remember that i i think this is this is also uh where i start i would like to say that andor isn't just a good star wars show it's a really good show because the way that like like I think the cinematography is so incredible mm-hmm. and like the way that this finale with the funeral like is able to build tension especially through its sound design is so fucking incredible uh the um, use of music and one of the backdrops is escalate the tension you know one of the characters is this kid of the son of who of a guy who got killed by the empire so they could torture information out of him and uh you know he's building a bomb it's like it's so clear right away that uh, this is i said this like oh he's clearly building a bomb mm-hmm. because like anytime somebody's using a soldering a soldering tool in a tv show it's never to do anything besides build a bomb like right am i right yeah never actually just soldering something <laughs> yeah no they're never like just making fixing, an iron man suit they're never fixing anything in their it's that about making an ied but there's yeah. something that I noticed about that ID too that like is interesting and I'll talk about. So, you know, the empires there, they all have their riot shields, which when you specially designed riot shields for your civilization, that should be a sign of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have this whole thing where it's like, you know, they stop. Then Marva projects and begins talking about like her pride in Ferris, which I think like, you know, that, and then talks about like, we've been asleep. We worked for these people. We kept our heads down and now we let them take over, which, and the the reaction this one, I don't even think they gave him a name. I don't remember, but this one fucking fascist, he gets so upset by just hearing someone not even do anything, but just say these people are wrong that he, you know, kicks over this last hologram of her. And then that gets him a brick to the face, which is fucking great. I think her Marva's uh, projected speech is such a, great moment it, like it, it's really like spark that ignites like the whole powder keg because yeah. like this situation was going to blow up no matter what mm-hmm. everyone is pissed and the empire is armed to the fucking teeth ready for yeah. something to go and down and the thing is the people of ferris aren't the ones who brought the weapons all the bombs everything that's there is there because the empire brought it there yeah which but then like, leaks- the, the empire instigated the fight yeah they're like oh we need to cut them off this isn't what we agreed to like at no like even if even if the people of the barracks fired the first shot mm-hmm. it's still the empire that instigated side fight right well and that's the thing like they you know but the empire initiates they knock over the funeral it's essentially this like last eulogy 
Yeah. And that guy rightfully Which, gets a brick to the face. Also, I, I, I heard uh, the line was originally, fuck the Empire, which would have been an, I think the only F-bomb in Star Wars <laughs> should be. Fuck and if the that Empire. was the only F-bomb in Star Wars, I would have been, <laughs> I would have been very okay with that. Fuck the Empire and then playing Rage Against the Machine would be awesome. Yeah. Which the the line is in at the end was fight the empire, which is also good. Like I, I I'm not mad that they changed that, but that was the, the, I just ima- I'm just imagining that as the only f bomb. Apparently, Star the guy who I played like, Brasso posted a video of himself from that scene with uh, kill, killing in the name over it. Mm. Which you know the you know the fuck you you don't do what you told me. So I'm glad to see that actor's happy with that scene too. Yeah, it's um, so good. Yeah, so but that so that whole giving put just fucking hitting that fascist in the face, and then they start attacking, you know, the riot shield guys. And I like that, like they're like, "Oh, we need to hold the line," and it's just they start stunning people and bringing them in. Yeah. You know, Deidre goes after Andor, and then and then uh, that kid throws a bomb, which doesn't do that much damage. His bomb might have broke the line. But what does all the damage is all the ammunition and munitions and grenades that the fucking and, Empire brought. Yeah. Because he blew up their stash. Pretty yeah. Much. Which is like causes the majority of the casualties. So Andor uses this all for cover. But it's just like, again, this fight. They, and I was, can I tell you? So to quote my mom, when Deidre is trying to get away and they grab her, my mom says, good, someone should shoot that bitch. And then it's Cyril. <laughs> and then it's fucking Cyril. Fucking Empire away. Meat Writer ass. I hate that bitch. <laughs> it's one of those things is like, oh, you're a good character, but I know it's the fucking Joffrey thing. Uh, yeah, like I actually hate you. You're the worst. That kid's a but great like, actor. I think that kid didn't act after Game of Thrones. So like, went on to go do motivational speaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he was just like, yeah, no, I'm done. Well, like, if you if you are like universally considered the face of evil for a whole generation, like, what else do you do? <laughs> Should I see? Is this his first thing he's been in? The actor who plays Cyril. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I didn't recognize him from anything else. He was in Fury. Mm. is he fucking nazi in fury i don't remember him in that movie but he's good anyway though yeah he was really good i i wanted to punch him in the face which is great like you're being a really good actor if i getting angry at you um right i don't actually want to punch uh what's his name kyle Saller in the face i want to punch zero karn zero karn yeah Um, and your bitch ass uncle too yeah and you uh, never get to see the uncle (laughs) Yeah, but he's imperial, so it doesn't matter. Like he's probably a bitch ass bitch. <laughs> Nothing is more satisfying than having to watch Zero like just live with this fucking cubicle job. Yeah, and he's he's like a mama's boy too. It's like mom, yeah, like I live at home with his mother. Um, he has such strong incel vibes. Oh, um, he's totally an incel. No way, um, he's not. So yeah, you know. The series ends, but Mon Mothma also gets won over on the Empire by like accusing her husband of having a gambling problem. So then, you know, the her driver, who is totally a fucking spy, is like, yeah, nah, it's a gambling. So I think that's where all the money's going. Mm-hmm. Also, we, one thing we didn't mention yet is mm-hmm. Mon Mothma's daughter. 
Oh yeah, how she basically has to marry off her daughter to try to cover this tax trail. Yeah, that's just so fucked. And it's also a thing because like her daughter seems to resent her. I don't know. Yeah. Her daughter is an interesting character. I hope they flesh it out in time. Yeah, well, because she's also falling into fundamental beliefs that the empire has tried to reignite. Yeah, which clearly. As Bon Mothma's mayor just showed, is not that great. Yeah, and like, it's it's it it hurts her. It hurts her so much too. Yeah, I've never seen an actress portray such pain while trying to pretend that they are while trying to also act happy at the same time. Yeah, because like if if you like it, it would it's like a the real world equivalent is if she was like becoming like a if you if your daughter was like becoming like a hardcore like christian fundamentalist yeah and like um, there was an arranged marriage happening in front of you and it's like well fuck me because like she knows this is so wrong well and i think the other thing too and, is this show is all about like i know i talked about it's about the people who don't get their names in the textbooks but it's mm-hmm. also about the sacrifices you make. And in so many cases, it shows people giving their lives. But there yeah. are other... I mean, Andor essentially loses any ability he had of, like, freedom. Yeah, he's after. lost everything at this point, pretty much. Yeah, he like, he loses his mother. He loses, you know, his like, friends. You know... Marvel was, like, his... Uh, that was... She was, like, his guiding light pretty well and his father got shot down trying to stop and violence from happening yeah do you think like that is he forgoes any like so many logical decisions because of his sentimental attachments Mm -hmm. to his mother specifically she's gone she obviously that hurts him but like how much left does he have to lose there was a, it reminds me of the fact there was this campaign by uh, the Ukrainian army to like you know they try to do these campaigns to, and they said like here's soldiers telling you why they're fighting in your language and it was like a bunch of soldiers in English and I remember this one soldier stuck out to me you ever see someone's eyes and there's nothing in like you could just see in their eyes that there's nothing that they won't do because you have hurt them so badly they don't care anymore because this one Ukrainian soldier just had, he said, because Russian, when asked why he's fighting, he said, because Russians hurt my mother. And that dude just had eyes that I can only describe as he is, I don't think he cares if he lives as long as he kills as many Russians as possible at this point. But right. I shouldn't say Russians, Russian soldiers, invaders. Right. Um, um, like, Cassian was never, like, dedicated to the rebellion at this point he's no, so dedicated Cassie. to survival yeah he wants he wants he he obviously hates the empire because they fucked him over his entire life more than anything he wants to just like make his way through the galaxy and survive um but marva's dedicated to the rebellion uh and when but she he rebelled against comes, the republic like she was really against the separatists all she wanted was a free barracks yeah, and and when he when he comes back, he's like, "Hey, after the Aldani heist, like, hey, I have so much money, we can come out and uh, we can get out of here." And she's like, "No, I'm staying. I'm not going to leave Ferrix behind." Mm-hmm. I think I think something clicked for him. So and especially at, like her last act, uh, mm-hmm. especially after death, like I th- I think that's really going to stick with him. And 
when he's when he like approaches Luthen at the end uh, uh, of the series, like I'm ready, pretty much. You know, in like deep part of this lore, there's like there so like there are like comics and books and short stories that do cover like the kind of characters you were talking about, like Tie Fighters turn, Tie Fighter pilots turned X-wing pilots, uh, stormtroopers turned rebels, and the, uh, Alderaan is usually made as the big thing that turned a lot of those guys. Yeah, as like the turning, like you know, you came from you. We crossed the line. You you annihilated a whole planet. Yeah, like this is a line crossed. You killed a bunch of people, and I'm sure there were people. There are going to be stormtroopers from Ferrex who, when that gets back to them, are going to rethink. Like they open fire on a funeral procession in Ferrex, and like no matter how diehard to the Empire you are, you'd probably really start thinking, "Well, that's not." what i'm here i'm fighting against you know you'd start really thinking about everything you were doing right um so i want to talk about stepping out of just the show and talk about i want to talk about some of the reaction to it i also want to talk about the fact that this was what do you think of the idea that this was the first mature star wars in a while i i wouldn't say like because i i would i would say like mandalorian was like it's, it's I think not there's a lot of Star Wars has already had mature themes. Yeah, like I think you, it's just what was even I like think the original the, trilogy has a lot going on. I mean, there's slavery, like Jabba's yeah. dancers are clearly it, they're slaves. But like, you're able to. What's different uh, about Andor versus mm-hmm. a lot of the rest of the Star Wars is like. You can talk in in the rest of Star Wars, like you can talk and represent real world serious shit, but it still has like this gloss of like this is still very like kid friendly. Like I could watch the original trilogy as a child, like I don't need to understand the real world politics behind it, but it's mm-hmm. still like a space epic story with lightsabers, uh, good versus evil. Um, internal conflict external conflict very easy to understand but like andor really gets deep into um the political side of star wars uh well, I, and, like, and you know like the opening the logistical stuff andor are shooting two guys in the back alley after he's trying to look for names at a brothel yeah uh it's 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 it is very different uh um, like, say- well and <clears throat> it's funny because this it wasn't the best received Star Wars by a lot of outspoken voices, and this is. I think it's a very. People. I think it's just a vocal minority. I'm. I'm pretty sure most people mm-hmm. really liked Andor. Yeah. Well, and also like their their complaint was like for years have been why isn't why aren't we getting more mature Star Wars? And right. someone I forget the name of the creator. If you can think of their name, please do. Uh, pointed out that when people were saying mature, they meant Deadpool. This instead gave them what actual maturity is. Yeah. Which is p- deep political idea- ideas, yeah. dark themes, and, you know, essentially having to think. I think that's the maturity. Like, Yeah, like, it's not just, like, blood and gore, which you don't really get in this series, but, like, you don't need it. Which also, I'm okay without it. I'm, like why do you, why do you want that? <laughs> why? I don't. Uh, I like, don't need it. You could tell a mature story without having to be like over edgy. the top. Like there's pl- like 
all quiet in the western front i think there is a place in the time but like if you the have like, no. yeah <laughs> i don't need it even to a point where i think they pushed the boundaries with some of that stuff particularly in kenobi came across as more cartoonish than like remember when that stormtrooper gets cut in half by the force shield thing that came across as more cartoonish than yeah. did that's like I mean, this, shocking there was also the one dude that mando like pulled through the door yeah but again it's it was like damn that's kind of hardcore but like you cut away you don't need to actually see it yeah um on that note though um i do want to talk about the criticism it's received which i think is stupid which is people who complain about bricks and screws existing in star wars I, i think that's just star wars theory i know but i that pissed me off so the star wars theory has got to be like the least star wars fan star wars fan of all time uh yeah i think me and you I, I don't i don't watch a lot of his content i'm going to i don't say watch that, so. i think i watched when i was younger i don't i haven't watched so i you probably saw i put out a twitter poll the night before because i didn't plan on doing something else on mm-hmm. uh what was the most to- what's the most toxic fandom and i gave four choices star wars warhammer 40k halo and star trek what do you it's, think won by a large lead? It's Star Wars. Yeah. A close, Warhammer was a close second. Like, not that close, though. Mm. It um, was a second. The thing was, it, it's just, the Star Wars community is so gatekeepy. Well, it's so unhappy about any change whatsoever to the series. Yeah. That it, like, fundamentally cannot accept anything new happening with this series. Yeah. And again, that's, that's, that is a, just a vocal minority. A very vocal minority, that mind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but I think like, me, most me, Star Wars fans are chill. <laughs> me and you, I think, have had this conversation where their minor this minority is so vocal it really ruins like Star Wars fans for a lot of other people. Yeah, because uh, you know they, they they create like this awful reputation for Star Wars fans to the point where I'm like, damn. I'm kind of ashamed of being a Star Wars fan. <laughs> like, ugh, it's like, again, like, I, I'm, this is me being a little bit biased because I am a sequels defender, but I only have to be a sequels defender because the fucking sequels haters are so well, and vile like the and toxic. Who are like huge sequels haters are, you know, are fucking prequels defenders. Yeah. It's, and I'm it's sure like, if you went back far enough, they hated the fucking prequels when they came out. Yeah. So, like, I only have to be that like this resilience in my defense of the prequels. And if your whole thing is like, Disney changed so too much, Disney changed too much. They made things so cartoonish. Fucking Chewbacca in Legends got crushed by a moon. That is how he died in Legends. Yeah. So the, fuck like, you. The le- also, the Legends com- continuity. Mm-hmm. I don't know who needs still needs to hear this. It was never can go read it any fucking time. It is there. I have it's five still there. books in this it, fucking room that are all it's legends. not like anything's contradicted by Disney's canon, because that stuff was never canon to begin with. It was extra side stuff. Ask me ask me any topic that exists in both canon and legends right now. And I'm gonna Google it real quick. Ask me anything. Um, um lightsaber colors. <laughs> All right, let's see what this comes back. Because there's a lot of like, like I don't think canon gives a shit about lightsaber colors, but like legends gave that shit so much lore. Yeah, and look, Wikipedia has two different tabs: legends, canon. You fucking click on which one you care about. 
Right. Like, yeah, and I even love like Legends had so much push and pull because like you know George Lucas, well, there was Grey Jedi and like and but Grey Jedi fucking, don't exist. Yeah, and here's the thing: Grey Jedi were stupid. They were fucking stupid. It's, it's not real. That yeah, it was a dumb concept. Because it fundamentally is contradictory <laughs> with it the is idea of being a Jedi. It, that only exists so people can make shitty fan fictions like that. Right. Like, because you can't be a Jedi that uses the dark side. Because the dark side inherently corrupts. <laughs> you could be a Jedi who does things that aren't quite Jedi like. That's the existence of fucking or characters like You could Ahsoka. be a force user. Yeah, because Ahsoka isn't part of the Jedi Order, but that doesn't make her a gray Jedi. <laughs> I, 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 I don't need to go on on this because then I'm just going to get pissed off. Uh, anyway, but, I, but Andor was good. Andor was so good. And like, this is exactly what I've been wanting more from Star Wars. It's just like, oh, uh, Star Wars is too political nowadays. I'm like, motherfucker, it's have you Star been watching Wars. the series from the beginnings? Like, it's, it's always been political, but like, this is like the most like outwardly political stuff. But like, the way it's executed within the Star Wars universe is really interesting because there's so much uh, layers to it between like, it's, it's like, it's more so than just like one little army fights giant army now because george lucas based the rebels off of the Viet Cong. like yeah i don't not, i don't know it, how it's to not it. just like the rebels that we see in the original trilogy now we have different factors uh, factions of rebels you have the anarchists like saw Gerrera, you have mon mothma who's playing the political game you have like the uh rebel alliance do you know what's fucking crazy to me by the way uh, Geneva Riley, who's only three years old, is only three years older than the guy who play, than the Luna Diego who plays Andor. Really? Yeah, Diego Luna. Yeah, he's forty two. He's a good looking man. He, I thought he was closer to my. <laughs> he's like, ah, he's like thirty or something. Nah, but he's I I I am I am a Diego Luna stan. Yeah. He's a good-looking dude. He's a good actor. And I'm very excited uh, for Andor Season 2. Although, I'm... I'm Okay, the one thing that I'm still really upset about mm-hmm. is um, I've already seen Rogue One. So, like, no matter how hype Andor gets, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah... Oh. He dies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, damn. He dies pretty tragically. Ew. Yeah, he dies essentially in the embrace of a stranger, you know, yeah. and he never gets to see. He never sees what happens. Like, do you ever think of that? Like a heroic sacrifice, the hero never knows if they succeeded or not. Yeah, it's really sad. Like, but like I, I like I honestly like I really wish I didn't see Rogue One yet, and this came first because <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel could... like that would. That would hit so much harder if I actually cared about the characters more. Because, <laughs> I like, honestly, that was a big... That's one of the biggest flaws of Rogue One, is, like, they have... The, like, we're introduced to a lot of people, but I don't, like, particularly care a lot about any of them. But I care so much more about Cassian now. So, like, in hindsight, I would probably like Rogue One better, because I have an attachment to Cassian, but uh, at the time, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess he's dead. <laughs> but also, did you notice that his book, that uh, Nemec's book, is the one that's on his shoulder in Rogue One? 
Oh, I didn't. No. Yeah. So that's cool. Which also makes me think the only copy of that book is uh anyway. Uh I'm I want to go read Nemec's manifesto. Yeah, the Disney released the manifesto. <laughs> please, uh, please, please. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to talk about Star Wars. Yes, and it's good Star Wars too. I don't have to sit here and talk about shitty Star Wars. <laughs> I can't tell you how nice it was to like after how shitty this last week has been to talk about Star Wars. Yes. Um, I, th- I think we should squeeze more Star Wars episodes into the schedule. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. Because I want to. Wait, wait, think of my idea of revisiting Clone Wars and go do a season that. by season review. Here's the thing. I've, I And I've done this. Like, I rewatched it once during COVID and I forgot the first few seasons kind of suck. They, oh, yeah. No, they do. I, I, cannot, I cannot deny that. You cannot make me watch the fucking Clone Wars movie. I will. Oh, yeah. No, like. Okay, so like when the Clone Wars is good, it's really fucking good, but like everything else is so aggressively mid. Yeah, like <laughs> it's actually like kind of bad. Um, I mean, it's a it's a children's series. Like, yeah, yeah, I, it's all it's like, like I I watched that shit when I was like eight years old. <laughs> we're adult men talking about Star Wars, and we're adult men who are talking rating a Star Wars cartoon. When the Clone yeah. Wars first came out, I thought every episode was fantastic. Yeah, but I was also eight. <laughs> yeah, same. Oh, Tyler, we'll, we'll find a way to squeeze it into the schedule. <laughs> all right. And we've been the outliers. Uh, fuck fascism. Yeah. Long live the rebellion. Star Wars is lit. Fucking a. <laughs> How do I end this? <laughs>